0: Why would members of an aristocratic family invent a terrifying tale concerning a satanic force invading their own home? Could it be to cover up a much more embarrassing incident? An incident which was to create an equally terrifying haunting. This is Mark Lyon. Welcome to The Other Realm. Throughout my life, I have collected true accounts left to us by those who have inadvertently crossed the invisible threshold from our world into the realm of the supernatural and returned to tell the tale. These are their stories. loftus hall in county wexford ireland was in the mid-eighteenth century the home of the tottenham family headed by charles tottenham who was referred to as tottenham in his boots a name commemorating the day he rode from Loftus Hall to the Irish Parliament in Dublin, arriving in jackboots and covered in mud, just in time to cast a deciding vote which saved Ireland 80,000 pounds. Charles Tottenham had two daughters, Elizabeth and Anne. When Elizabeth married and Charles remarried, Anne, though said to be beautiful, found life at Loftus Hall to be a lonely existence. As an account said to be written by the Reverend George Reed, a rector and rural dean in the Church of Ireland, and a justice of the peace for two counties put it, Loftus Hall was an old rambling mansion with no pretense to beauty. Passages that led nowhere, large dreary rooms, small closets, various unnecessary nooks and corners, panelled or wainscotted walls, and a tapestry chamber. The father was a cold, austere man. The stepmother was such as that unamiable relation is generally represented to be. What and how great the state of lonely solitude and depression of mind of poor Anne must have been in such a place, without neighbours or any home sympathy, May easily be imagined. One wet and stormy night, as they sat in the large drawing room, Reverend Reed continues, they were startled by a loud knocking at the outer gate, a most surprising and unusual occurrence. Presently the servant announced that a young gentleman on horseback was requesting lodging and shelter. He had lost his way, and he had been guided by the only light which he had seen the stranger was admitted and refreshed and proved himself to be an agreeable companion and a finished gentleman the lonely girl formed a strong attachment to this gallant youth chance had brought to her door which was warmly returned the father as was his stern nature was obdurate and the wife no solace to her Some say that the gentleman twice asked Charles for Anne's hand in marriage, and when his request was twice refused, he left Loftus Hall, never to return. Anne fell into a deep depression, which eventually led her to losing her mind entirely, with the result that she was imprisoned in what was known as the tapestry room for the remainder of her life. Another version of the story has it that she became pregnant, and as a result of Charles' refusal to call for a doctor, she died in the tapestry room in childbirth. To continue with Reverend Reed's account, a strange legend was at once invented to account for this calamity it tells how the horseman proved to be such an agreeable acquisition that he was invited to remain some days and made himself quite at home and as there were now four in number whist was proposed in the evenings the stranger however with anne as his partner invariably won every point the old couple never had the smallest success one night when poor Anne was in great delight at winning so constantly, she dropped a ring on the floor, and suddenly diving under the table to recover it, was terrified to see that her agreeable partner had an unmistakably cloven foot. Her screams made him aware of her discovery, and he at once vanished in a thunderclap, leaving a brimstone smell behind him. The poor girl never recovered from the shock lapsed from one fit into another, and was carried to the tapestry room from which she never came forth alive. This story of his satanic majesty got abroad, and many tales are told of how he continued to visit and disturb the house. The noises, the apparitions, and disturbances were innumerable, and greatly distressed old Charles Tottenham, his wife, and servants it is said that they finally determined to call in the services of their parish priest a father Broders, who armed with all the exorcisms of the church succeeded in confining the operations of the evil spirit to one room the tapestry room all reference to poor anne was avoided and the belief was allowed to go abroad that it was satan himself who disturbed the peace of the family preferring rather that it should be believed that they were haunted by the devil so that the story of her wrongs should sink into oblivion and be classed as an old wives tale of horns and hoofs but to my tale reverend reed continues about the end of the last century my father was invited by mrs tottingham to meet a large party at the hall he rode as was then the custom in ireland with pistols in his holsters upon arriving he found the house full and mrs tottingham apologized to him for being obliged to assign to him the tapestry chamber for the night which however he gladly accepted never having heard any of the stories connected with it however he had scarcely covered himself in bed when suddenly something heavy leaped upon it growling like a dog the curtains were torn back and the clothes stripped from the bed supposing that some of his companions were playing tricks he called out that he would shoot them and seizing a pistol he fired up the chimney lest he should wound one of them he then struck a light and searched the room diligently, but found no sign or mark of any one and the door locked as he had left it on retiring to rest next day. He informed his hosts how he had been annoyed, but they could only say that they would not have put him in that room if they had had any other to offer him. Years passed on when the Marquis of Ely went to the hall to spend some time there his valet was put to sleep in the tapestry chamber. In the middle of the night, the whole family was aroused by his dreadful roars and screams, and he was found lying in another room in mortal terror. After some time, he told them that soon after he had lain himself down in bed, he was startled by the rattling of the curtains as they were torn back, and looking up, he saw a tall lady by the bedside dressed in stiff brocaded silk, whereupon he rushed out of the room screaming with terror. Years afterwards, I was brought by my father with the rest of the family to the hall for summer bathing. Attracted by the quaint look of the tapestry room, I at once chose it for my bedroom, being utterly ignorant of the stories connected with it. For some little time, nothing out of the way happened. One night, however, I sat up much later than usual to finish an article in a magazine I was reading. The full moon was shining clearly in through the two large windows, making all clear as day. I was just about to get into bed and happening to glance towards the door. To my great surprise, I saw it open quickly and noiselessly and as quickly and noiselessly shut again while the figure of a lady in a stiff dress passed slowly through the room to one of the curious closets already mentioned which was in the opposite corner i rubbed my eyes every possible explanation but the true one occurred to my mind for the idea of a ghost did not for a moment enter my head I quickly reasoned myself into a sound sleep and forgot the matter. The next night, I again sat up late in my bedroom, preparing a gun and ammunition to go and shoot seabirds early next morning, when the door again opened and shut in the same noiseless manner and the same tall lady proceeded to cross the room, quietly and deliberately as before, towards the closet. I instantly rushed at her and threw my right arm around her, exclaiming, Ha! I have you now! To my utter astonishment, my arm passed through her and came with a thud against the bedpost at which spot she then was. The figure quickened its pace, and as it passed, the skirt of its dress lapped against the curtain, and I marked distinctly the pattern of her gown, a stiff, brocaded silk. The ghostly solution of the problem did not yet enter my mind. However, I told the story at breakfast next morning. My father, who had himself suffered from the lady's visit so long before, never said a word, and it passed to some folly of mine. "'So slight was the impression it made on me at the time "'that though I slept many a night after in the room, "'I never thought of watching or looking out for anything. "'Years later I was again a guest at the hall. "'The Marquis of Ely and his family, "'with a large retinue of servants, "'filled the house to overflowing. "'As I passed the housekeeper's room, "'I heard the valet say, "'What?' i to sleep in the tapestry chamber never i will leave my lord's service before i sleep there at once my former experience in that room flashed upon my mind i had never thought of it during the interval and was still utterly ignorant of anne tottenham so when the housekeeper was gone i spoke to the valet and said Tell me why you will not sleep in the tapestry room, as I have a particular reason for asking. He said, Is it possible that you do not know that Miss Tottenham passes through that room every night, and dressed in a stiff-flowered silk dress, enters the closet in the corner? I replied that I had never heard a word of her till now, but that I had a few years before, "'twice seen a figure exactly like what he had described, "'and passed my arm through her body. "'Yes,' he said, "'that was Miss Tottenham, "'and as is well known, "'she was confined mad in that room and died there, "'and they say was buried in that closet. "'Time wore on, and another generation arose.' another owner possessed the property the grandson of my friend he then being a child who came with his mother the marchioness of ely and his tutor the reverend charles dale to the hall for the bathing season mr dale was no imaginative person a solid steady highly educated english clergyman who had never even heard the name of miss tottenham The tapestry room was his bedchamber. One day in late autumn of that year, I received a letter from the then uncle of the Marquis saying, Do tell me what it was you saw long ago in the tapestry chamber. For something strange must have happened to the Reverend Charles Dale, as he came to breakfast quite mystified. Something very strange must have occurred, but he will not tell us. He seems quite nervous, and in short, is determined to give up his tutorship and return to England. Every year, something mysterious has happened to any person who slept in that room, but they always kept it close. A Wexford gentleman slept there a short while ago. He had a splendid dressing case fitted with gold and silver articles, which he left carefully locked on his table at night. In the morning, found the whole of its contents scattered about the room upon hearing this i determined to write to the reverend charles dale then incumbent of a parish near dover telling him what had occurred to myself in the room and that the evidence of supernatural appearances there were so strong And continued for several generations that I was anxious to put them together, and I would consider it a great endeavor if he would tell me if anything had happened to him in the room, and of what nature. He then, for the first time, mentioned the matter, and from his letter now before me, I make the following extracts. For three weeks I experienced no inconvenience from the lady, but one night, Just before we were about to leave, I sat up very late. It was just one o'clock when I retired to my bedroom, a beautiful moonlight night. I locked my door and saw that the shutters were properly fastened, as I did every night. I had not lain myself down more than five minutes before something jumped on the bed making a growling noise the bedclothes were pulled off though i strongly resisted the pull i immediately sprang out of bed lighted my candle looked into the closet and under the bed but saw nothing mr dale goes on to say that he endeavored to account for it in some such ways as i had formerly done having never up to that time heard one word of the lady and her doings in that room he adds i did not see the lady or hear any noise but the growling here then is the written testimony of a beneficed english clergyman occupying the responsible position of tutor to the young marquis of ely a most sober-minded and unimpressionable man He repeats in 1867 almost the very words of my father when dealing with his experience in that room in 1790, a man of whose existence he had never been cognizant and therefore utterly ignorant of Miss Tottenham's doings in that room nearly 80 years before. In the autumn of 1868, I was again in the locality at Dunmore, on the opposite side of the waterford estuary i went across to see the old place and what alterations miss tottenham had forced the proprietors to make in the tapestry chamber i found that the closet into which the poor lady had always vanished was taken away the room enlarged and two additional windows put in the old tapestry had gone and a billiard table occupied the site of poor Anne's bed. I took the old housekeeper aside and asked her to tell me how Miss Tottenham bore these changes in her apartment. She looked quite frightened and most anxious to avoid the question, but at length hurriedly replied, Oh, Master George, don't talk about her. Last night she made a horrid noise knocking the billiard balls about. This is Mark Lyon, inviting you to join me on the first day of every month as we explore more true tales from The Other Realm. The Other Realm is a production of Wind Whistle Theatre. Our music was composed by Dan Heflin. Support for The Other Realm has been provided by HauntedIsles.com, offering private and small group tours of haunted Britain and Ireland. And by Heftone Studios, producers of Phantoms of the Holbrook, a docudrama relating true events occurring at what well may be the most haunted hotel in the entire world. And Natalive. A modern retelling of the German legend of the Lorelei, and by Windwhistle Press, publishers of Jesse Adelaide Middleton's classic trilogy of true tales of the supernatural, The White Ghost Book, The Gray Ghost Book, and its sequel, Another Gray Ghost Book, and Lepp Castle, The House of Horrors, by Mildred Darby and San Francisco Ghosts by Mark Lyon.